Life is a canvas. Listen as Dr. Allison R. Tendler and her guests paint the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and business leaders on her podcast, The Art of Seeing Clearly. Through insightful questions and thought-provoking conversation, Allison and her guests explore the essence of what it means to truly experience life, business, entrepreneurship, love, success, and even failure through a clearer lens. your host, Dr. Allison R. Tendler, board-certified ophthalmologist, surgeon, owner, and CEO of Art Vision and Artisan Skin and Laser Center. I literally get to work every day to help people see better on the 2020 eye chart. But true clarity in life and in business often requires a slightly different kind of vision. I happen to have a passion for learning how other entrepreneurs and leaders find their clarity, and I want to share with you some of their secrets to success. Melissa Johnson sees possibility and potential in people before they even might see it in themselves. In 2009, in the midst of a recession, she decided to open a new business with a bank account containing less than $100. Today, she's founder and CEO of Oh My Cupcakes, where her 45 cupcake ninjas create flavor experiences like no other. In October 2020, knee-deep into a global pandemic, she founded Sweet Cream Candle Company, She's also a passionate speaker and writer with Melissa J. Creative. Each enterprise is built with the intention to create beautiful things that bring people joy. With a background in broadcast media and communications, Melissa is a sought-after keynote speaker with both Melissa J. Creative and the John Gordon Companies, where she's a power of positive leadership certified speaker and trainer. She finds purpose in helping people discover and engage their own greatest gifts and is on a mission to spread the message of empowerment and growth with a positive mindset. Her genuine desire is to inspire and uplift, leaving people better than she found them. Melissa is an adoptive parent of a child with significant diagnosed mental health challenges and loves the opportunity to connect with other families parenting foster or adopted children who come from hard places. Engaging that background and her heart for those families, She serves on the Volunteers of America Foundation Board, the Children's Home Society of South Dakota Programming Board, and the Avera Philanthropy Council. Born and raised in the heart of the Midwest, Melissa is mother to four children, three furry dogs, and one disagreeable cat. Welcome back, Melissa, to the art of seeing clearly. Melissa, I remember one of the first times you and I ever got together, I think we sat and talked for two plus hours having lunch after basically being cold called by me and saying, hey, would you like to get together years ago? And you, thank you so much for joining again today because things have changed in the last year and a half or so since oh, we really? since we did this did this back then and you're one of our first podcast guests yes ever so thank you for it must not have been such a traumatic experience no i'm back. so excited to be back i can tell you when that was it was september of 2021 and i know that there's a special reason you probably know when that was too and i want to get to that as well because i think that plays out in some of your thoughts in your book that we'll also talk about so for those listeners who haven't heard our first episode or aren't familiar with you so in general tell us a little about the origin of 
how you've come to be entrepreneur with Oh My Cupcakes. Sure. So my background uh, lies in media and communications. I was in radio here in Sioux Falls for about 12 years. You've got a wonderful radio voice. Oh, too, so. thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. Do you know I started out as Metal Melissa on 1037 The Crow. Like I was this hard rock chick when I first started. And then I went to Kelo FM at the time was like the light and easy station. And so it's Melissa Riggs on light 92.5 Kelo FM. It was so funny. Like just all these different personalities. But I've always loved radio. I've always loved connecting with people over words, whether it be on air, whether it be through books. I've always loved connecting with people in that way. And so I actually have also loved connecting with women who've gone through like different situations, like maybe, you know, maybe rougher situations and they needed somebody to walk alongside of them and be their friend, right? And so I was working in some of those situations in volunteer mm -hmm. capacities okay. and had an opportunity to do this full time to leave my radio career behind and go work in women's ministry. And, and so I- I love uh, hearing these stories because even though you have told me these things before, mm -hmm. every time you retell it, it helps bring something new to my mind and my heart about you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So I had this opportunity was presented to me to work in women's ministry. And so I gave my notice and I had trained my replacement at my radio career, right? And left six weeks notice. I wanted to finish well and just, you know, be sure that I was full of integrity. And so I was about five weeks into my six-week notice and got called into a meeting where they started it by saying, first of all, we want to let you know, like not to panic, don't panic which is a terrible way to start a meeting. Like, I think we can all agree that that's maybe the worst way to start a meeting is to say, don't panic. No worries. Yeah. We got you. We got you. But because, you know, there's a big bot yeah. coming behind that. Right. And but they had done some restructuring and had determined that a women's ministry position, a full time paid position was not going to be a part of their organizational structure. And so the position that I was leaving my 12-year career to go to was being eliminated before I got there. And so for a moment, I did panic. I definitely did panic, right? But a couple of things had happened around that same time. First of all, I had read a story during radio show prep one morning about cupcake shops and how they were this you know, new thing all across the country. And of course, as we know, things take a little longer in the Midwest to arrive here. So we had, there were cupcake shops on the East Coast and on the West Coast, but nothing in South Dakota. So I became very intrigued by a place where people could come in and just experience a moment of joy, mm. right? And you are about joy, mm. about finding those Definitely. moments of joy. And in your book as well, which we'll get to your, your new book, Lifelong Learner, you do talk about finding those moments of joy. So that's interesting yeah. to hear this now in your perspective after I've read your book. You are looking for moments of joy and you're also trying to bring people joy by Absolutely. a cupcake. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I had this idea of what I wanted with a cupcake shop, right? This beautiful light and airy place where people could come in and experience joy. Well, I opened our first checking account with $67, which doesn't get you very far on the joy part there, right? But it was a small, it was incremental. That creates it was fear, way, actually. Yeah, right. Exactly. It was, it was a way to start though. It was a way to begin. So we began so small. And, and what year did you begin? 2009, 2000, right in the middle of a recession. Yes. And, you know, I had asked a bank for a bank loan for a completely untested, unproven business. I was not a baker. I had like, I 
there was no reason he should have told me yes, right? But he he didn't say yes, nor did he exactly say no. He just asked me to consider alternate forms of funding. <laughs> so yeah. it was a gentle no is what it was, right? But that's how we began, was very small, very slowly, and just worked our way up. And you have worked your way. You have multiple sites and you've got multiple side businesses now. So that is not your only entrepreneurship, nor was it really the beginning of entrepreneurship for you. In a way, you'd started a couple other smaller businesses in the past. Do you feel like it's, you know, being an entrepreneur like is who you are or do you feel it just is part of a greater cause for you? Oh, that that's an interesting question. I think when I worked jobs, I air quotes, when I worked yes. jobs, I would be so excited and interested for a period of time. But when they began to lose their challenge, I would get bored. And I would find myself moving on. In my first book, I think I talk about the fact that I had like 27 jobs before I was age 40. <laughs> so now, granted, I have always worked multiple jobs multiple at the jobs. same time. But, and I think that's there's something to that with entrepreneurial, you know, with entrepreneurial spirit as well. Is like you just, I'm a great starter. So I will say I am not a good maintainer. I need people to help maintain it and keep that consistency and get things done because I am about vision and new ideas. <laughs> so that's a creative spirit in and of itself. Do you find that you have a like endless curiosity that's like, okay, I've done this, moving on to this? Indeed. I always say curiosity opens doors and builds bridges and certainty closes doors and tears bridges apart, right? The more certain you are that you know something, like then you're saying, there's nothing more for me to learn here. But when you stay open and curious, you always have something new to learn. And so I'm I'm endlessly curious about the world and what it has to offer. Well, and I'm endlessly curious to see what your curiosity is going to bring you <laughs> in the next in the next several years. So you have written within this journey of the past, you know, 10 plus years, you've now written two books. Yes. The first one was Fingers in the Frosting. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that in our our first podcast and most recently Lifelong Learner, which both of us actually have sitting in front of us yeah. right now. Where did the idea for your second book come in? Hmm. You know, I think if there was one word to describe me as a person, it would be connection. If you're a strengths finder person, that's my number one strength is connection. And I love making connections, whether it is with an idea, with a person, with something I'm curious about, but I love connection. And so I wanted to write a book that really encompassed some of the wisdom that I've had the opportunity to to hear and to learn on life's pathways, whether it be from a friend in a coffee shop or whether it be a speaker that I've had an opportunity to hear. I went through my own journals and wrote down, that's why it's reflections, notes, and discoveries because Mm -hmm. I went through my own journals as well. Have you always journaled? I've always journaled. What Mm -hmm. journals do you have? You know, it's an embarrassing amount. I actually, they've always been and scattered all over the house. And in an organizational project a couple of months ago, I decided I'm going to put all of my journals in one spot and they take up two entire shelves in my closet. I've got journal upon journal. Some of them, you know, I hope my kids read someday and some of them, I just hope that nobody ever reads. You know, we we journal to get the cobwebs out of our minds and I journal again, hoping sometimes that nobody else will ever read it. But... Yeah, but it clears the cobwebs and helps me understand the things I don't know. Mm-hmm. I would love to get more into your journaling 
efforts because it is an effort and it's a habit. Mm -hmm. I presume it's now a habit for you as well. So I I would like to connect with that in a moment too. So your book took a lot of that journaling Mm -hmm. and how did you use that to create semblance and form into a book? I mean, writing a book, that's can't be the easiest thing. How was the book writing process for you? Well, that's always the hardest part for me is always how to structure it. And what I'm learning from other writers who come to me for, you know, advice or consulting or anything is the same thing. It's like I have all these words, I have all these journals, I just don't know how to put it together. So for me, the way I structured this book, Lifelong Learner, is the discovery, kind of setting up why we're here and what I hope the book to be about, what I hope for it to achieve. And then the learning where we Mm -hmm. dove into some of the belief systems that come from way back or the things that we've been taught throughout the years and sort of starting to question, where do those things come from? And are they still serving me? Then we went into the growing, which is, you know, like- I'm going to admit probably one of my favorite portions was the growing portion. Thank you. Well, it's the old adage, we know better, we do better. And so when we start to question and become curious about our belief systems and things like that, it opens up doors for growing and understanding that there is more to the world sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then finally is the knowing. And that's the part that really I got very passionate about. If if people read only this part of the book, this is what I want to leave the world. That's more Mm -hmm. like the legacy piece for me. Like this is what I want people to know, to know that they know that they know. And my, you know, my my whole life mantra is better tomorrow enough for today. And I wanted people to understand their worth and their worthiness and that we should always keep growing. I believe we should. I I feel in this book, you also are very transparent that we're never done. We're never done, but we also have to be solely satisfied that we are enough for today. Even if you never grow another, you know, like you are enough and you are worthy. And I have a a saying in one of my bathrooms, actually, it's this, this poem and it starts off with you are enough. Mm. And when you read that and you love enough, you live enough, you laugh enough, you you know, and then it continues again and you are enough. And so your words in your book also ring true for things that I think and feel in my life too. Sometimes I feel like you're a, a soul sister, like we're, we're not related at all yet. Reading your words in your book and it was very intriguing how many ways we think alike. Mm -hmm. And this is, again, this is not about me at all, but it was just very heartwarming. So I wonder how many other people might be thinking that as they, as they read along too. So thank you. It's the highest compliment that you connected in that way. I did connect. And also that, I mean, we are soul sisters. We've known that for years. There you go. Absolutely. So the, I felt in your portions of the growing and the knowing there were things that were very raw and real and things that might have been somewhat difficult to share, although you have been very open and and sharing and transparent. Which portion of the book did you feel was easiest or hardest to write? Well, I think what you're talking about exactly those pieces where I do talk very candidly about my divorce and about, you know, the effect it had on my my entire family, my children, all, all of my family. And 
it was my intention to honor everyone's piece of the story and to really show that there's someone used to tell me no one wears a white hat. Like we all have ownership. We all own our pieces of the story. And so it wasn't my intention to make one person look like the good guy and one person look like the bad guy. Mm -hmm. It was really like, this was really, really hard and it's still really hard. Mm -hmm. And so that was a chapter that I had my adult children read before I let anyone else read it. I just wanted their, and in fact, sending it to them mm -hmm. was the most nerve wracking. Like I emailed it to them one morning and I held my breath for hours until they responded back and said, mom, I'm so proud of you, you know, and just gave their approval and their love. And, you know, even I even reached out to my ex and I said, you should know that this is coming out. And he said, you are an amazing writer. And I think your book is going to help a lot of people. Wow. And that, that meant a lot. That meant so much, you know, but I really come from the standpoint and the stance in this book of, I don't have it all figured out. And I, that's one of the parts that I love. Mm -hmm. There is no, you have it all figured out and you don't make any bones about the fact that right. you don't have it all figured out. And none of us do. Right. We just keep moving forward. Right. But it was so important to me to really verbalize that because yeah. I think it's so easy to look at someone in the community or someone who's a public figure or someone who's, you know, and, and to just think, wow, look at everything they're doing. They must be doing great. And how come I'm not? And, you know, again, it's that kind of a cliche phrase now, but when they say, don't compare your behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel and what you're seeing is a highlight reel. And so I really wanted to be honest about my behind the scenes in this book. And I, I would agree if you were to look at you know, I'm just going to take you because you are my guest looking at you in the community and the amazing things that you have achieved and how many women you've empowered and how many people you've mentored and inspired. Yet behind the scenes, there's always real life and mm -hmm. it's raw and sometimes it's kind of dirty. Yeah. And I recall that in other aspects of my life as well. What we see here is not necessarily what's going on at home. Indeed. And you brought that that fully to light in your book. And you do, you, you would seem to have it all together. So how would you guide us in kind of that dichotomy? Because that happened to you, that happens to me, that happens to other leaders, business owners. How do we be our real selves? Mm -hmm. What is our real self? What is our real is our real self, self at work? Is our real self at home? What mm -hmm. is our real self? Yeah, no, that's. I mean, that's interesting. And you can get caught up in you when when people know you out in the community, or you can get caught up in like the whole. I have to keep this persona up. But I think the more vulnerable and real we can be with people, whether it is to write about it, to speak about it, to even just sit down in front of your team at work and cry and say it's just been a very, very hard day, or it's been a very difficult week. Like The more transparent and authentic we can be, uh, the better. People crave that. We want that. I want to know that. I mean, not that I want you to struggle, but I want to know that you're struggling also because then I don't feel like I'm alone, mm -hmm. right? And so and there's almost more of that unity and those roots supporting each other, like in your analogy to that redwood tree. Yes. Yes. Those, those redwood trees, the roots are supporting each other versus where these individual units. Yes. I heard it said once uh, that I heard this author once say, I'm not on the other side of the river 
telling you how I got over here. I'm on the same side as you looking at the river going, I don't know how we're going to get across, but we're going to hold hands and we're going to get there together. That is, that's who I want to be. That's my entire life, right? That's who I want to be. So mm-hmm. that gets me to a, a portion of the book and something you said about judging other people. So we have this dichotomy sometimes between who people think we are and sometimes the dirt and grit that's going on back in the other world. And they just see this and think there's none of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm using my hands so people can't <laughs> see me. And I've got my hands flaring in the air. Hopefully I don't hit my water. And that judging us in this perfect state mm-hmm. kind of doesn't help them out, nor does it help us in our in our realness and our our, our grittiness, our hard times that we're going through too. Well, indeed, when people assume that another person has it all figured out and they have it all together, that other person starts to go, I can't show that I don't have it all together because I don't want to disappoint somebody. I don't want to let them down. I don't want to like, you know, pop a hole in the balloon of who they believe that that I am, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about me or you. I'm talking about so many people. Again, authenticity is the it's the best antidote mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. We just need to be real with each other. So I'm going to go down that road for a moment. Authenticity being real, not wanting to let people down. Mm-hmm. I know that we also talk about expectations and for many times in our lives, including yours, like we want to meet other people's expectations. And sometimes you take your expectations and put them down or what what is good for you. Last time we were on this podcast, mm-hmm. I thought about you a lot when I read your book with the story that the last podcast we did, I almost looked at it as like, you didn't want to disappoint me mm-hmm. by showing up, being there and being that person for me in my podcast, yet you were going through something as well, right? Do you want to share that? Yeah. So let's go back to that week okay, in September, September of 2021. <laughs> yes. And I was booked on your podcast and we had this appointment scheduled. And, you know, I, I have something, we're still searching it out. We're still figuring out what it is, but I've got something with my esophagus where I tend to get blockages and it happens quite often. Um, and it's very painful. It's extremely painful. And that had happened that day prior to me coming here, prior to me recording the podcast, but I couldn't let you down because you had people ready to record. I mean, you were expecting me, you were counting on me. And so here I was coming to talk about this podcast. Our topic that time, if you recall, was like self-care and work-life balance. And it was everything. And I sat here literally, quite literally choking on my words that day because I had um, this blockage in my esophagus. And though I could speak, I it was like, it was a little bit harder to breathe. And it was just, like I said, quite painful. I left here and I drove myself to the ER and actually was admitted to the hospital that night and had surgery the next morning. You told me this a bit later. It wasn't yeah. immediately, probably because you also just didn't want to bring that into, no. into someone's life. Right. Yet... Here we were talking about being our best selves and care and how do we do this as females and entrepreneurs and business owners. And you have this amazing incident that's going on that I have no idea that's happening. And you didn't want to let me down. I mean, it's just like, it's ridiculous if you think about it. Now, if if I walk that back and go, what should I have done? I should have called and said, I've got this thing going on. I'm sorry I can't make it today. And you would have said what? I would have said, 
that's okay. Let's reschedule. We'll, we'll reschedule. We'll, yeah. Things happen. It's, it's okay. We get so wrapped up in the thought of letting others down that the picture we have in our heads of what their reaction is going to be is far bigger than it ever actually is. And I, I often think back to that story and the irony of how I just was so focused on not letting another person down that I completely nixed my own self-care, which is what we were no, talking about. about. We're talking it's ridiculous. So, um, so has that story changed how you have approached any other situations? I mean, it's easier said than done, especially when you're a, a giver and you want to, mm-hmm. you know, not, I would say, ruin somebody else's expectations. Yeah. But has that story changed anything or how you've acted or thought? Yeah. That time. Great question. I will say I'm always a work in progress. I'm always <laughs> a work in progress, you know, and I try my hardest. One of the mm-hmm. mantras that I've really developed over the last couple of years is from Brene Brown. We both love her work and she talks about clear, direct, and kind. Actually, she talks mm-hmm. awkward, brave, and kind. And so I've become much more comfortable with hard conversations mm-hmm. and just approaching it with much like she says, I'm I'm going to be awkward. My words are probably not going to come out the way I want them to. I'm going to be, but coming from a good place. I'm coming from a good place. And so to me, I'm lately, I'm really focusing on, am I being clear, direct, and kind? And that's how I really try to approach conversations. Again, always a work in progress. Mm-hmm. If you're a DISC profile follower, I am at I, which is like influencer mm-hmm. and all that. Like I as, can see that about you. I am I, as far as the eye can see, and I learned yesterday that our greatest fear as eyes is not being liked. And that was, I mean, it wasn't a huge surprise to me, but, you know, but I didn't realize that. So that makes total sense. It's very confirming. I, I just don't want to let people down. Well, I say I don't want to let people down either, whether it's a, a patient or a client or a staff or, or, you know, it's like people have changed their lives or done things in order to try to be here at this time on this day. Yeah. And it is up to me to be there. Mm-hmm. It is up to me to to try to meet that expectation. Yet at the same time, as something radically changes, mm-hmm. it's like, well, things do change. Yet you said something here, the weight of other people's expectations or potential disappointment is not yours to carry. Mm-hmm. That was in reference to something else, but I think that could be brought into an entrepreneur's world, whether that's with their team or their clients that they're trying to serve. Absolutely. Uh, Anything that you want to say on expectations, Mm. the weight of other people's expectations on? The weight of other people's expectations is a weight that we, I believe, often unnecessarily place on ourselves. Sometimes those expectations do exist. Sometimes we blow them far into bigger proportion than they actually are. And so the weight that you know you might place on yourself if you have to change your schedule around, again, there are going to be people who might not understand all the time. Of course that happens, right? But nine times out of 10, I feel like people are going to go, okay, shoot, that's an inconvenience, but we'll get it taken care of. Yeah. And I... I think if we can always approach things by assuming positive intent, believing the best in others, 
like that I'm, I'm not here to wreck your schedule. I'm not here to let you down. I'm not here to, you know, ruin your day. If I can believe that about somebody else, then I have to, you know, yes. then I have to believe that they can give me that in return as well. Not everyone will, but I have yes. to believe that they will. I love this part too. Do what you feel in your heart is, is right for you will be criticized anyway. Yeah. And so some of those people, regardless of what you're doing and you know, it's the right for you. You're, it, and I'll admit, I would still feel bad too, that somebody might say something, you know, criticizing about that, but not knowing the whole story. It's like, right. you don't know the whole story, which then gives me empathy for another situation. Like I might know, not know their story. Exactly. If someone quote unquote lets me down, something might be going on that I don't really realize. Exactly. Well, and it it, it, it shifts perspective mm-hmm. then too. It shifts perspective when you can assume positive intent and when you can, again, believe the best in others, you can just, again, believe. Yeah, I might not know what's going on in their world either. So so let me ask this question on expectations and bring it back to the, to the business world with team, staff, communication. One of the things you said was placing expectations on people and they can't be accountable if they don't know what our expectations are. Mm-hmm. And talking about we either didn't communicate correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, when we have this this failing to meet expectations of what we have for maybe a business or staff, we don't communicate correctly or the other party did not agree to it. Mm-hmm. Tell me about something in your business world where that has been true for you because that was the context that you wrote that. So I was just curious on, on the, what that might have been and what changes you've been making to try to help communicate and make sure our expectations are aligned. Right. Yeah, it goes back to some incredible coaching I did a couple of years ago where they Mm -hmm. talked about the difference between expectations and agreements. And it was something that I'd really, it was kind of a newer concept to me, expectations versus agreements. And we can place an expectation on someone, but again, if they either, maybe they misunderstood the assignment as, you know, people say, or, or they didn't have all the information they needed, all of those things that you just said, right? That is an unmet expectation is a breeding ground for resentment, right? But what I have started to do, and again, with the intent of clear, direct, and kind, is lately I've started to really look at if I'm asking somebody, let's just say via email as an example. And if I'm One of the clearest forms of communication there are. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm going to sidetrack for just a moment because I always look at email like as it allows me to actually think hopefully get my words across because I'd prefer to write mm-hmm. than to speak. Yes. Yet sometimes that leads to not having clear, you know, communication. So moving on. There. So I've been reading through my emails lately. And if I'm asking someone to do something, Madison, would you be able to give me the results of that new cupcake test by next week on Wednesday? No less than two iterations of that recipe. Does that give you enough time to complete that task? Like I'm literally looking back at my email going, did I communicate exactly what it was when I want it? And then I'm asking parameters, parameters, the specific parameters, and then saying, does that work? Like, is this something like, is this doable? Because I don't know what Madison has going on in her world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Madison might tend to say, sure, I can get that done. And then maybe fall short because she agreed to it or she said yes, she could, but then didn't have. So I'm I'm going that one step further and saying, is this something that's doable? And, and then you get her agreement mm-hmm. and her buying and you both know exactly what that is that she's agreeing to. And then you're 
going to hold her accountable to. And she needs to hold herself accountable to as in, well. Indeed. And then we can even go one step further and, you know, talk about what that follow-up is going to be. Let's meet and talk about this on Friday. Like, I'd like all the results by Wednesday. Let's meet and talk about it on Friday. That I think be. that is where many of us as probably leaders and business owners or people in executive leadership probably fail. Yeah. I think of how I can think of how many times that I've been disappointed by lack of follow through, accountability, those types of things. And what you're saying is as that person, here's some tools and tactics to be able to say, yes, was it clear? Right. Was there a timeline? Was there a deadline? And we both, yes, yes, yes agree to that. Yeah. And let's you and I be clear, this does not come naturally to me at all. Again, being that well, high God, I know. does not come naturally. No, it does not come naturally. I think when you're a person, an entrepreneurial spirit, high on vision, I mean, I always say one of my favorite quotes is like, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. So it does not come naturally to ask for- But we don't figure it out because then we have these ruined expectations and people are upset that things didn't happen how they thought they were supposed to. And Exactly. Exactly. And resentment. That's the word you use. And resentment. And how come you didn't complete the assignment that I had in my head, but didn't clearly communicate to you and that you did not agree to? I mean, if you think of it in those terms, mm. I mean, it's no wonder, mm -hmm. right? So it does not come naturally to me, but I'm working really, really hard at it. Once again, work in progress always. Again, another wonderful, wonderful pearl mm -hmm. for us oh, and our listeners. I loved it. Another business question that I had for you from your book was you had talked about how sloppy and heartbreaking business can be. Mm. And as business owners, we know it's hard. Mm -hmm. We know every day is not dreamy and most days are not. Mm -hmm. Yet we have this endorphin kick when it's going how we want to. Yeah. And I say as the dance and the dance partners are all working together. Yeah. Yet we know that that's still kind of a rare event. Mm -hmm. That's our, our Shangri-La. What would you have to say to those of us listening who are running businesses, managing people, why is business so sloppy and heartbreaking? Mm, I think because <laughs> I think because there are people involved and people are sloppy and heartbreaking. <laughs> and I am people. I am people. I am also one of those people. You know, it's I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying anytime you work with people, it's just going to be messy, right? We we all have, whether it's baggage we're bringing from, you know, childhood or whether it is baggage I'm bringing from, you know, not sleeping well last night. We all are bringing the entirety of our life experiences it's like they're it's like they're following us right our life mm -hmm. experiences are lined up behind us and so what i am bringing into a conversation and what you are bringing into a conversation are two totally different things and they're going to cloud the way we perceive a situation they're going to cloud the way we react or respond to a situation mm -hmm. and we all just can only do the best we can do what advice would you give to a 21 year old melissa oh my word what would you say to that girl? You know, I hiked the Grand Canyon in yes. 2017 with a coach. And when I did that trip, I remember thinking, I'm probably going to be the oldest. I'm probably going to be like the most overweight and the slowest and the least fit. And the like, I, I, I told myself all of these lies about how I was going to mm -hmm. slow the group down. And, and now while it was a bit of a motivator because it did motivate me to really, really train, train for that hike plan for success. As it turned out, I was not that it was a race, but I was the first one out of the Canyon. 
And I will never, ever forget looking down over the rim of that canyon and down in and seeing all of that ground that we had traversed and just looking down and thinking, girl, you are capable of so much more than you give yourself credit for. And I think I would tell 21-year-old Melissa, you are capable of so much more than you give yourself credit for. And at that time, more than you could even imagine. Do you still tell yourself that? I do. I yeah. do. I, I think, think it would probably be unrealistic if we didn't say that to our to ourselves, because sometimes we need to hear that. We need to hear it and we need to stay open and curious to what's next. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm knocking on the door of 50 here before too long. And so I kind of start going, oh, I don't know. It's just like, what, what age is this that I'm settling into? What's this now? But I think of the poet Maya Angelou who said, it's been a great life so far. And she said that when she was like, you know, in her 90s and so far. It's a brilliant mind and amazing, amazing thinker Mm -hmm. with what she'd been able to add. What would you say, Melissa, that your core values are that you use to guide yourself? Mm. And have they been the same? Have they kind of like, you know what, those have always been there or have they altered over the years? Yeah. You know, I still stick to integrity and family being two of my- Some of those core ones don't change. Those guiding principles. But I think the older I get, the more I'm finding a value to be one of fun and play. I really want to have more fun and play and adventure and keep a sense of wonder. We mm-hmm. we have all the information in the world at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to wonder about things anymore. Mm-hmm. And that sense of wonder is something that's very important to me to keep that, to cultivate it and to find it wherever I can. And for me, a lot of times that does look like travel or mm-hmm. again, adventure, going to find mm-hmm. something in a different place than, mm-hmm. uh, than what I'm used to looking at each and every day. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say a sense of wonder. Mm-hmm. There is it with well, that's that curiosity as well as as that wonder and it keeps things new because you don't like to have the same things, keeps things new and fresh. And I find that doing those things sparks is curiosity, but also sparks new ideas, mm-hmm. sparks your brain to work in different ways that you didn't weren't thinking before. Great. Helps you puzzle, solve, problem solve, however you want to state those. Someone had asked me a few years ago, how come you've never taught a writing workshop? I've always wanted to take like a journaling writing workshop. And finally, I just set a date and did it. And I started doing these workshops and then people were asking for more. And so I started hosting writing and journaling retreats. And now I am finding that passion and curiosity there. And I'm actually doing one in Sedona, Arizona in October for a group of women. Nice. Um, and a half day retreat this summer. And it goes back to all, all of my passions. It's connection. It's, you know, helping people on their path, on their journey and helping, helping them reflect and also discover new things. And so, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm not reinventing myself by any means, but I'm discovering this whole new layer that I'm really loving right now. So you are so many things, speaker, author, mentor, empower of, of women and others, entrepreneur, owner of amazing business. Do you find yourself gravitating towards one of those And where do you have any idea where your heart's pulling you next? Mm. Well, you you know, I recently redesigned my business cards. That's a big deal in our world, right? It's like, oh, what's my business card going to say now? 
and my line on my business card because I have logos for all my cupcakes yes. and Sweet Cream Candle Company and Melissa J Creative. I've got all these logos on my card yes. and the back just simply says, I create beautiful things that bring people joy. And that's what my heart continues to pull me to. So whatever that is. Whatever that is, exactly. And one place that I continue to seek to improve is that just yesterday, we were talking at work, somebody was talking about values. And she Mm -hmm. said, but would you help us discover ours? Because like you teach workshops to people and like you write books, but how come you don't teach this to us? And it was like, and I have at different times, but it was such a stark reminder that I don't need to go out and about to do this. You can also do it right where you're at, which brings it all full circle that I left radio to do women's ministry. And if I'm doing it right, I get to do it each and every day, right? I get to just walk alongside of women and help them discover their own story and help them discover the next step on their journey. That's my favorite thing. Life is not easy, but I still look at you and I feel that you are discovering and continuing to try to live your best life. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's exciting to watch from the outside. And I, sometimes I look at you and I'm like, oh, I wish I had more of that or more of that. And you seem to have this, you have a drive, but a willingness to risk as well. Mm. Do you feel like you're a risk taker? I'm a little bit of a risk taker. Are you a calculated risk taker? Yes. And those eyes, sometimes they don't calculate anything. They just act. Uh, it can be good. That's right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. I know we we talk about how some, some people on our team want steps A through Z, and I've got like a half of A, and I'm like, let's go. Let's just launch. Let's roll. (laughs) So you're right. I'm in the other category. And and Jen, who's listening, was probably laughing. I'm like, and let's look at some of the pros and cons of that. Mm -hmm. Make a little more calculation Mm -hmm. before we just die, Mm -hmm. which sometimes I feel as as an owner or entrepreneur, it sometimes holds me back. Mm. And so yet when I I start going over that edge of like, oh, I should just do that. Then I find out but something happens. I'm like, see, you shouldn't have done that. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I mean, I've always been, I've always felt like there's going to be a lot of things that'll fail, but I don't see them as failures. I see them as learning opportunities. What did I, Multi-pads what did I had for something else? What did I learn from that? And, you know, it might be a, it might be a good lesson. It might be a hard lesson, but I'm always going to w- win or learn is what they say, right? Mm-hmm. Win or learn. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a risk taker, but also when you are in business, you are acutely aware that a risk that you take affects many people beyond yourself. Mm-hmm. And so you do need to be a bit more, it's like a healthy caution you need mm-hmm. to develop. Because um, mm-hmm. I've always just said, oh, I'll go work fast food if I have to. Like, there's nothing I wouldn't do to 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 make it, to survive, to do what needed to be done. But mm-hmm. I also am beholden to a lot of people mm-hmm. whose livelihoods depend mm-hmm. on the decisions that that I make, that you make. That right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, when you're when you're leading a team, mm-hmm. you have to become a little more selfless. In thinking about, you have to think about all the others. It's funny because people want to start businesses because they don't want to work for a boss anymore, right? And I feel like I have more bosses than I've ever had before. <laughs> because they're they're beings, the very fact yes. that you are there to help, you are part of their journey. Yes. And indeed. what you're going for in your journey ultimately and intimately can impact their journey. Absolutely. Yes. You said that beautifully, beautifully. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I can't believe that everybody thinks that way. I am presuming that our leaders, owners out there that just don't have that thought process. And I, I love the fact that you wrote about it and then you just spoke about it now too. Um, and to think, we always know there's financial risk, but we always think it's financial risk on us. Mm-hmm. Yet there's risk of others joining us, absolutely, and trying to see that dream of our and our our mission come through. Yes, and see it too to yes. fruition. Mm-hmm. I'm going to end with a quote that you have that I want you to fill in on the, the end for today. Mm-hmm. So we talk a lot about vision and clarity, and I feel that throughout our talk, you've given us a lot of your vision and how you have, you know, find that clarity in your life. Used a lot of like vision, like connotations in your book too, which I loved. (laughs) But one of the things I wanted to end with is for today, how you would finish this line right now is quote unquote, I am the one who. Oh yeah. I am the one who. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for you today? I'm the one who. William and I were talking about our schedules and the things that we had going on today. And my schedule was stacked up from start to finish. So the first thing that popped into my head today is I am the one who runs. But the second thing that popped into my head, I like so much more. And it's I'm the one who laughs. I'm the one who laughs. <laughs> and you laugh and you smile. And I hope that you're not going to head to the ER tonight. No, you know, no, so ER no, tonight. no, no, we are visits tonight. No, no, we are visits tonight. So you are the one who is running, but hopefully that running is bringing you the joy mm-hmm. that you are forever seeking. And some portions of your day today hopefully will help you find that. Mm-hmm. So, Melissa, cheers to you. Thank you for coming on our podcast again and spending some time with us. And continue to be your gritty, brave, determined self because you are changing lives. Yet at the end of the day, I hope you're changing the ones that are most important to you as well, your families and your heart and your soul as well. Indeed. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. I could sit here for hours and chat with you. So, and we probably will once we stop recording. We probably could. (laughs) All right. Thank Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.